Welcome to the IT Woodworker Podcast, where we discuss business and IT topics. I also include a woodworking project every once in a while, which is something that helps me keep my sanity in this fast-paced business we work in. If you enjoy the podcast, please like it, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the IT Woodworker. This is Chris Kuslis, and I'm joined with my co-host, Katie McCullough, who I want to give a big high five to because the Bears and the Packers were both in second place. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you guys won one. Uh, we lost one to get uh, in that second place, but it's all hey, good. We, we've backed into, into our places <laughs> for, the, for the last two decades, so hey, I'm not worried about it at all. So. <laughs> Excellent. Yep. Well, this will probably be the last place we're tied in this year, but but anyway. Well, yeah, we'll see. So so welcome uh, to our uh, viewers and listeners. Today we're going to talk about security investments and what that what that means and and what some of those security investments are that organizations can utilize to get in a in a better place from a security standpoint. And with that, I'm going to hand that over to Katie, and uh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. So. In a lot of ways, this is one of the most important topics, and certainly investments are in your people and in your process and all those things, right? And I would always argue those are the most important investments, but the other investments is in tools, and they are critically important. With the amount of data and the urgency with which you have to deal with security, uh, telemetry, and events, you have to have tool sets to support that because you can't you can't deal with that just at a you know individual level you've got you've got to have tool sets to do that on the flip side of that while it's an important investment to stay ahead of threats and uh, manage risk and keep your environment secure it can also be almost the biggest waste of money because people react to sales guys and think oh this is the best thing since uh sliced bread and we're going to buy it and all our woes are going to be fixed I guarantee you there is not one security product out there that solves all your woes. Um, and every security um, tool requires expertise and capacity on your team to implement it, maintain it, and certainly respond to it. So, you know, I, I just can't stress enough when you're looking at an investment in a tool, number one, understand what your requirements are. What are you trying to solve? Because you're going to make an investment. It's like so many other, you know, software uh, tales of you install something and you use 10% of it. Or worse yet, you install it, it creates more noise for your team than it helps. So I don't want to minimize that it's incredibly important to have these investments. But you really got to think through uh, what your requirements are. Do you have the expertise to run it? Uh, and are you going to have your team uh, available to be able to run it? So um, that being said, to me, there are kind of three areas when I look at security tool sets. One is table stakes. Things if you don't have in your environment, you need to get funding, do whatever you can right now uh, because you're behind the eight ball. And we'll we'll maybe spend the majority of the time on that because it's table stakes. Uh, there's a second grooming as you advance your security program. These are incredibly important tools. This is where, you know, for me, um, it gets into uh, a wrestling match a lot of us are having these days with cybersecurity insurance. Um, whereas if you don't have this second layer of 
tool sets, uh, you're going to uh, you're going to get challenged by your cybersecurity uh, insurers. But minus that, they're still important tools to have. But again, they are a next layer. They certainly require staff and uh, and expertise and availability to be able to manage them. And then the last set is. I don't want to say niche, but it's certainly going to be for enterprises. It's going to be you have a specific risk or business need. And again, we maybe we dedicate the next few sessions and we can go through each of those layers. Uh, but today I thought we'd maybe just focus on that first layer of these are the table stakes to consider. Is, is it safe to say then? I, I think it probably is pretty safe to say as you go from that first layer to second layer to third layer, your investment not only in the tools, get bigger, but then in the talent to support that gets bigger. Is that oh, is that 100%. accurate? Yeah, I mean, especially in that last last bit. Um, now, that being said, all of these have you can uh, partner them with service options, right? Um, Tooting our own horn, right? That is that's why we're in the business is to take mm -hmm. that workload off our customers in a lot of these areas. Uh, that being said, you know, some might be core to what the customer can uh, companies think are important to maintain in house should completely get to um, but there, there's always going to be service options around these but yeah then to your point that adds additional cost but mm -hmm. at least it means you aren't throwing away the cost of the tool sure. if you invest in that right yeah and that's always something as, as as a service too as you get better at it you can actually bring that service on yourself when you grow to a level where you have the expertise in house Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and again, I mean, it all starts to snowball together, right? We are in a uh, resourcing crisis, right? There's not a lot of security experts just uh, sitting around waiting for a job. And so all of this starts to compound itself, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, yep. sure. So do we want to jump into some of those those table stakes, security yeah, products? And, all absolutely. Right. So the one is going to sound tried and true, right? And it is about firewalls. It's about your boundary. And I get there is the boundaries expanded, right? You've got cloud, you've got SaaS solutions, and, and those have to be considered um, as your boundary expands. But at the end of the day, the vast majority of companies still have a traditional network, corporate network. And if you don't have really next generation firewalls, um, you're exposing yourself, right? Or worse yet, you're putting that burden, especially if it's not a next generation firewall, for your teams to have to constantly manage what that device is doing. Whereas if you leverage some of the new threat protection, malware defenses and URL filtering that most any next generation firewall product is gonna have core to its feature set, you can take that burden off your team um, where you know, you're letting the, um, the artificial intelligence, the, the packaging of that solution from the vendor provide that data on what what should be suspicious or goodness forbid malicious traffic that should just be blocked instead of your team having to assess that you're that, not going to get that with a traditional firewall and that next generation firewall it's it's looking for well because the the predecessor to them didn't look for anomalies right it was looking for specific things that then it would catch those specific things but the the bad guys got a little bit better at it so now they're looking for anomalies correct yeah i mean it's the classic example you're probably going to have a web server on you know exposed to the internet now 
more obviously more and more people are leveraging DMZs, but you're still you know exposing some amount of uh, device to the internet. And so um, with the firewalls help, you can uh, with the next generation firewall, you can look for traffic that maybe you don't want to even target that that web server as opposed to if you use a traditional firewall, it's kind of on or off, right? There's not a, there's no gray area in a traditional firewall. Is that like the geo? Is it geo fencing or geo blocking? Yeah, geo blocking and um, it, the way it kind of assesses the posture of uh, data coming at it. Is it risky? Um, mm. Kind of puts a risk value to it. Hmm. Interesting. So again, it, I don't want to underestimate. There's there's so much with cloud and uh, SaaS solutions that like we talked with Andre about zero trust, your identity is really becoming the new boundary. But, it, and so that's something, you know, we definitely have to include in this conversation, but the reality is most companies still have a traditional network and you need to secure it with a firewall. And, um, you know, it, it, it's not just about using a, a stateful uh, based firewall, it's about using a next gen firewall to minimize of the work that your own team is going to have to do to manage that and and truly provide the value of that um, technology. So, and, th and this might be a totally di different episode to have this conversation, but you said most organizations have a traditional firewall. So, if you were to start Katie Incorporated today, would you go with a tra with a traditional firewall? Would you tell do something different? Just just question. Maybe it's a different yeah. episode, but no, it's a very fair question. Uh, and I again, it, it would actually come back to Andre's conversation because if I was just starting up a new business and I didn't have to deal with legacy applications and all the stuff that so many companies have to, mm -hmm. I would go all cloud and SaaS. And then, believe me, there there still have to be some firewall-like protections in there, but then it does become more about the identity. The reality is most companies don't have that ability, right? They're not starting not from ground zero. Uh, they've got some legacy apps. They've got legacy infrastructure. They have to. They have to. Um, they have to protect. And so, in that case, right? I, I yes, there is no value to purchasing a legacy firewall uh, type technology. Next generation. It's just. It's that is absolutely table stakes to any kind of uh, boundary defense. Good. Gotcha. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, so the next one, again, it, it just it, it's table stakes. I remember a, a day in my life where uh, antivirus was was optional, <laughs> especially on in uh, workstations and laptops. Um, and, you know, I, again, I can remember having these arguments with customers even 10 years ago where, well, they didn't want the the performance impact of ha having an antivirus solution on a server. So they didn't want to do it right in that concept. Just seems crazy to me. I, I, I think all of our listeners, um, well, I'd love to hear from them if they've got anybody that is still having to uh, debate that with the powers that be. Um, you know, again, it's it's more of a next generational thing now. It's endpoint protection, right? Next generation endpoint protection. It's um, looking for, it's doing much more behavioral monitoring. It's not just looking at known signatures, right? I think we've, we've talked about this before. The ransomware, um, tactics and techniques that they use are advancing every every 24 hours. And so you can't just 
look for a signature and say, okay, I, I just want to block that. You got to look for behaviors. So again, next generation antivirus, things like CrowdStrike, Cisco Secure Endpoint, right? Those are critical because most importantly, they sit on your end user workstations, mm -hmm. which we know is traditionally the weakest point. And man, those bad actors, that's where they're focused on because they know if they can get a foothold in there, they're they're in in with no problem. So, but again, that endpoint protection certainly has to be extended to servers. Um, I don't, I haven't had that argument in years with anybody, uh, and I hope none of our listeners have to either. Um, but that being said, I know some uh, companies have not made that investment past that signature-based um, endpoint protection, and I would encourage them. Um, that That is the, the only way you're going to protect against ransomware is by having a next-generation antivirus. You're not going to do it with traditional signature-based. Gotcha. So we got one and two, firewalls and antivirus, table stakes. What's next? What do you got for me? Well, I mean, it sounds basic, um, and this can be a very easy investment. I still encourage customers to look at it from a solution standpoint, not just something they do on their own, but it's end user awareness and training. Yeah, you can do your own blogs and you can do various things uh, to keep awareness. But again, I go back to your end users are going to be your weakest link. And phishing campaigns are very sophisticated in this day and age. And they're going to get by other tool sets that we'll talk about. But you you you've, you just got to educate people. And, and there's some great tools out there that I would argue do don't cost your don't cost a lot of money to implement and don't take a lot of effort on your team, but mm -hmm. do provide great value to raising that awareness of good security practices from an end user perspective. Um, obviously, the number one thing these days is to do phishing campaigns on your own user base to understand, you know, where they're challenged and to help build that training. Uh, again, a great partner of ours is Know Before. They by far are one of the leaders in this space. But and while I, we use them ourselves and it's a great product, there are certainly other options in there, and it and they're they're very cost effective. So I just I can't encourage companies enough. They don't have a, an end user awareness uh, and training um, solution to look at look at a program to do that because they're I guarantee they're more cost effective. So and and. I know that they're a partner of ours. I didn't know that we used them as well, but as a sales guy, I answer every call, even the one that, you know, the possible phishing or whatever it says on my phone. And I used to click on every link that came in. And yes, I've been popped twice, but I know before. Um, and I don't do that anymore. And I, se I send them into to the security, the phishing place. So, um, so if, if I can be trained, anybody can be trained. So yes, it's a good tool. So there you have it. Um, and so in these next two, uh, you know, is almost as important, equally as important as the endpoint protection because it's all about end user management. It's web security and email security, right? I mean, you've got to have some kind of uh, antivirus and spam control on your email systems. Again, I have not heard this being a debate with a lot of companies anymore. They get the the value, especially in email security, that it's just table stakes to have as part of your email solution. Um, and so it's it just, it's going to cut out so much noise, going to cut out so much risk uh, that an end user could absolutely click on. 
Now, don't get me wrong, none of these things are 100%, right? That's why we go back to the end user awareness and training, but you've got to have some kind of email protections. Um, and certainly that's that's really two things. It's having, having something looking for suspicious emails and removing them from your end users email box so it just removes the issue right but it's also how you configure your your email access making sure that's secure multi-factor is a big part of that right it's just having good security practices around your email because it's an exposure point right it's where you let pretty much anything come in because you you want to get that email right um but that and that's why it is such a um a a threat vector for the bad guys because it we all want to get our email and so we're going to do we're going to lean on the okay let a little bit more in so i don't miss something but that's where the awareness has to come in as a safety net too so I, table stakes I, i've i've heard from other security professionals that email is one of the worst engineered you know ways to communicate because it, because of all those threat vectors that that come along with it they said that it, you know when it was invented nobody ever thought that we'd be where we are today and all the stuff would come through like it does so yeah it's it's the art of criminal thinking that uh not most of us are all that good at but all it takes is a few people to open that gate and to think that way and and it uh, can absolutely be a vector to cause bad things to happen yeah, for and, sure. And right in line with that is the uh, web security, right? That's the other interface, right? I want to be able to browse and go wherever I want. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? Uh, bad guys are hoping for that, hoping you're they're going to entice you to go someplace out on the the big the big web and and click on something. And so, if you don't have those that web uh, security in place, your your end users are going to expose you. And um, sure. though. Again, when when I look at security and we again talk about the endpoint protection, the end user protection, because that is going to be the weakest link. You look at all of these table stake items and they all relate to protecting that end user device at the end mm. of the day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, the next two or maybe a, some people would debate how much of a table stakes they are, but sticking with the theme of kind of end user devices, um, again, so mobile device management, right? We are in a world of we're letting anything and everything connect to infrastructure and cloud services and SaaS solutions. Having control of that, right? Going back to what we, one of our first podcasts around having a control framework, right? The very first two controls in the CIS is inventory and understand what hardware and software you have connecting into your environment. And with that, with a leveraging mobile device management, um, you can you can control what uh, a phone, a tablet, a, a laptop can do and connect on your environment. Mm -hmm. um, so, especially in this day and age of remote work, um, I, I we just view it as table stakes um, for protecting an environment. It certainly can be debated. It's probably not. Um, maybe a lot of our customers haven't made that investment, but. Um, or companies, but I I would encourage them to think about it because it gives you a lot of control um, mm -hmm. of what could be the weakest link in your environment. So so you brought something up um, 
too, you know, from a cost standpoint, when you look at these controls, is there any of them that are, you know, you know, cost prohibitive to an organization, like extremely expensive or? Um... At, at this point, with the ones I've listed, I would consider them very, um, very reasonably from a cost value standpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on their company size, the different kind of licensing sure. you have to get. But, uh, you know, these are, again, they're just table stakes. I don't, you, you can't you can't run a business if, if you certainly don't have uh, most of those that I just recommended. So that, that, hopefully that's, that's a, budgeted. That's a good point that you said to it, you know, based on your company, that's the amount of licenses you need to get. So it really, it really scales to the size of your organization. So good. Thanks for pointing that out. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <clears throat> so the, the last one I'll, I'll bring up from a table stake standpoint, just because of the threat landscape we're dealing with and all the vulnerabilities that we're seeing in this, in this day and age. Um, it, it's definitely kind of a next level solution, uh, managed detection and response, right? That solution really couples so many core components of what a security program needs, but it also can wrap in the services and the coverage that you need from a staffing and expertise 24 by 7. Again, we have a great partner that we work with. Uh, they are not the only ones out there in the world, AlertLogic, but we certainly believe in them. But I, I certainly do your research for your company. But a managed detection response, now we're getting a little, maybe um, additional costs, right? But there's so much telemetry in your environment that if your staff is spending time dealing with ingesting that and, and actually having to filter it and then respond to it, I would argue that's, I don't want to say commoditized, but there are systems and tools and people that can do that so much more efficiently than your team building that skill set and putting that tool in place. And to me, it's just absolutely table stakes to understand what's from a security perspective is going on in your environment and to be able to correlate that for effective response. Um, so I, I really put it in that table stakes. I know for me personally, again, I'm incredibly fortunate being part of a large organization. We do have staff that, that can cover us 24 by 7 for security and mm -hmm. we have a great tool set but to your question if i was starting up a new company that's the first thing i'm looking at because i, I don't want to staff a 24 by 7 sock um i don't want my team you know filtering through date through events that there's already the artificial intel intelligence out there to do those things i i don't have the people to reinvest to create that knowledge yeah. that just doesn't make any sense but to really understand what's going on in your environment, you have to have that telemetry. So let the people that think about that telemetry and think about those risks and threats every day handle that service for you, as opposed to buying your own SIM, as opposed to investing in your own SOC. Now, again, if you're a big, bigger company and you can make those investments, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would argue a service for the vast majority of companies is is the way to go and is again in my mind table stakes to keeping your environment secure well when you look at the average cost of a, of a security professional and then how long are they going to stick around because somebody's going to offer them more money and what happens if you're just pulling somebody in who isn't skilled enough to look at it now you're talking about an organization who's doing this worldwide and they already know what the threat landscape looks like and they know what they're looking for so <clears throat> i think a dollar 
dollars to donuts, it, it'd pan out better to look at a surface. But yeah, to your point, if you're a big enough organization, you got the dollars and cents, um, go get them. So. Yeah, yeah, not gonna. I mean, yeah, there's even <clears throat> you know we can even touch on it. There's great sim products out there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of great tool sets that comes with the the staff that you have to support it. Yeah. Um, and all the things that go into a, a tool set of that significance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, why don't we uh, take a little break here and then we will come back and wrap up. Does that sound fair? Perfect. Well, welcome back. So uh, Katie and wrap up, did you just want to run back through the, you know, the real table stakes of the security? Yeah, and let me start again. Uh, these are incredibly important. There's just so much information and so many threats that people are dealing with. You got to have some tools in place to help combat it. That being said, make sure you've got the expertise, the availability or staff to be able to, to properly manage these things or work with a partner to figure out how to do that in the most cost effective way for your business. Um, but what we reviewed, you know, from a complete table stakes um, is the fact that Again, most companies are going to have a still a traditional network. Look at next generation firewalls, upgrade yourself to next generation firewalls. Uh, endpoint protection is is your end user and the, the next few items are all about your end users, right? Endpoint protection has to be there. Uh, think of it as an antivirus, but it's so much more now with ransomware. Uh, end user awareness and training is critical. Uh, then the web security, email security, uh, the other two I throw into table stakes is around that mobile device management, which again comes back down to that uh, endpoint device, that end users being such a risk in your environment. And then we talked about the value of a managed detection and response, uh, just again with the amount of telemetry that you need to really understand the security of your environment going with a service. Uh, I just can't recommend that enough. Katie, this is really helpful, and, and I'd like to turn this into uh, a three-part series. Then we'll talk about the table stakes, and then we'll jump into, and we'll talk about the next level, and then we'll talk about the, the top level coming up. And I'll also going to put a link in there in our uh, podcast for the listeners around the end user training. It's a company we use, known before. There'll also be a link in there around the managed detection and response for Alert Logic. As Katie had stated, you know these aren't the only products out there, but if you're interested, you know take a look at them um, or reach out to us. Katie, it's always a pleasure. Well, I got to make fun of you, Chris, because you were accusing my shirt of being Cookie Monster. And uh, I'll tell you, this is actually my spirit animal. Uh, yes, it is a Sesame Street <laughs> character, uh, but it's Grover. It is That's not Elmo. It is not Cookie Monster. It is Grover, who by far was and is the best Sesame Street character. Grover, I'm, I, well, I, I like cookies, so I guess, you know, everything. Well, isn't yeah. that the cookie monster behind you on the wall, too? What, Einstein? <laughs> Everything's cookie monster to me. <laughs> I like cookies, I told you. <laughs> no. Go watch an episode of Sesame Street, please. <laughs> I will. Katie, all's good talking to you. Yeah, we'll see Have you, Have a good Chris. day.